From APM, American Public Media, and the Infinite Guest Podcast Network, this is Wits. I'm John Moe. This is a special podcast-only, extra-special bonus feature for you, our pod friends, our friends who listen to podcasts, not our friends who live inside pods. You know, a good friend of our show is an author by the name of Neil Gaiman. He's a very popular author, bestseller, critically acclaimed, award-winning, uh, and kind of, a, kind of a ham when you get him on stage. I say that in the most affectionate way possible. Uh, wits, for some reason, I, I feel like there's a, a blossoming uh, sketch comedian just, uh, just bursting out of this uh, author presentation that we normally get from Neil. Um, you might have heard Neil on this podcast before, and if you missed the most recent edition of Neil on Wits, head over to iTunes or Stitcher or WitsRadio.org or wherever you get your podcasts, Costco, the gas station, I don't know, and check out his most recent appearance on our show on episodes 63 and 76. Those were both with singer-songwriter My Brightest Diamond. They're a lot of fun. We'll wait right here for you to catch up. Ah, welcome back. Our relationship with Neil, as I said, goes way back. We have a long history. He's one of the first guests we ever had on this show. And he's come on a bunch of times in various ways, various shows ever since then. And so we put this podcast in time travel mode to bring you back to some of the most memorable gaming moments. This first one is from a show that we did with John Hodgman, the author and actor and humorist, and John Darnell, a.k.a. The Mountain Goats. I, John Moe, was there, and uh, John Munson, of course, was leading our band. Makes it four Johns. We call that a John slot. Neil Gaiman stopped by as well to hang out and have a little fun. We made him an honorary John for the night, John Gaiman. And uh, I asked him about one of his hobbies, which is beekeeping. Neil, how how do you manage the distractions of your career of, of writing things, saying things, and beekeeping? Very, very badly. <laughs> but no, you, are a bee, you are actually keeping bees. I, I am, but it's, it's... Alive on your property. I am, yes. Thousands for, for and thousands of them. And protection. I don't know their names, obviously. <laughs> no. No. I, I don't think they're very good at protection, although I've been reading about uh, African villages which hang up beehives to scare away elephants, because it's yeah. the only thing... So if we have elephants out here... We do that in here... Park Slope, too. <laughs> did, you learn, did you start... May I, may I ask Neil Gaiman some questions? I'll just because go take I'm a curious, nap. I'm yeah. curious about this. Did, did you start uh, beekeeping because you saw it on the internet? Is that true? Um, or why I, did you I, start I started beekeeping because, you know, I was writing books and... Uh, had too much to do, and obviously beekeeping was very, very low on the list of things that I ought to be doing while writing books. So it beekeeping it was, top. absolutely. <laughs> and I, it, I, does, it doesn't seem like something you could just casually no, do No, what either. you have to do is you have to find a friend who will actually go off, in my case, uh, the, the bird chick from birdchick.com, Sharon Steitler. Who actually, yes, I met her um, earlier. Who actually went out into the world and took proper beekeeping lessons and then came back and said, this is what I've learned. And I'd say, but, but my books on beekeeping say something else. And she'd say, well, whatever. And we'd, uh, we'd, we'd be, we'd beekeep together. Now, where did I'd... you get the bees from? Did you just put out a hive and hope? No, they arrive in the mail. You they get... arrived in the mail? In the mail. You What's get... that like you when get... they arrive get... in the mail? You get a really Like nerve... sea monkeys? Like sea monkeys. <laughs> you get a very, very... In fact, exactly like sea monkeys, because you get the same really worried call about 7 o'clock in the morning from your post office going, your bees are here. 
and you go and get the box of bees. There's, you know, a happy, happy three pounds of bees. Are they buzzing? Of course they're buzzing. They're bees. <laughs> For God's sake, John. I don't what think you th- should be allowed to send <laughs> buzzing things through the mail. But as a writer, you still have things to write. Do you, I'm imagining you out with a laptop being swarmed by bees happily writing stories. With a beard of bees, with a, Possibly with a beard of bees. I've never done the beard of bees. Why uh, not? Because I'm a coward. Because, what? you know, you, and also because I figure that... There's one get... reason to keep bees, is to have a beard of bees. <laughs> How do you write in beekeep? I'm trying to win this interview. <laughs> okay, this answer is for John. I oh, love this. Cop out. Total cop um, out. What I do is I go down to my gazebo. I have a gazebo in the garden, which is just out of wireless range from the house. Oh, this is getting very weird now. Gazebo and too? I have, yes. I have a gazebo. I'm rural. We have gazebos. <laughs> and I go down there with my little laptop. Yeah. And I write. And I write until I get distracted. And getting distracted means I either need a cup of tea or I need to walk the dog. Right. And, and the gazebo is out of the range of your wireless, so you can't I, Twitter. I can't you Twitter. Can't. Based on Twitter, I would think you never go to this gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess the last time you were at the gazebo was perhaps two years ago. It's about, what was it, 18 months ago I discovered Twitter, and yeah. it, it took over my life, and now I have my 1.4 million followers, and I'm trying to oh, keep rub all it of in. them happy. Rub it in. <laughs> Wowee. Okay. Hello, my 1.4 million followers. <laughs> They're all out there right now. Hello, my Hodgman 400,000. Yeah, but you know all your followers by name. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. That's <laughs> like right. me with my bees. If it got a... <laughs> so then does, does being a beekeeper help you focus on the other things that need to be done because you have such a consuming other thing that you could pay attention to in a kind of concentrated way? No, it's just like making a cup of tea. It's something else to do while yes. you're writing. Yes. Right. There's only a something certain else to number... do while you're writing or something else to do instead of writing? Instead of writing. Yes. There's only a certain number of things you can do. Like, how many baths can you take in a day? <laughs> Maybe one. So once you've taken that bath, <laughs> you can't do that again. Have you considered taking a bath with the bees in a gazebo? That's sick. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, Neil, I... All I'm, of my bees are underage. Oh, these are like... You know, sorry. These are young bees. Well, I'm glad your microphone at least worked for us I'm tonight. I'm just glad the whole John thing... You, got, you guys finally allowed me on the stage. I, it's, we did have to speak to the, the John Council. Yes, and we had, to, we had to finish the initiation and get the paperwork in. Right. Uh, and uh, later on, we have uh, you have to be blindfolded yeah. and put on your jondam. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know that that word's it's so much better written down when you actually say. <laughs> I'm sorry, jondam. It's just wrong. <laughs> well, John Gaiman, thank you for being with us. John Gaiman, thank everybody. You. That's Neil Gaiman from a show we did in 2012. With John Hodgman and John Darneal. You're listening to a special uh, Neil Gaiman deep tracks, deep cuts, the, the obscure stuff, the stuff that's only on the uh, special European 7-inch record, so to speak. 
but of comedy and radio. Neil Gaiman was uh, a guest on one of our first shows we ever did. I believe it was the second season of Wits. And uh, musical guest for that one was Josh Ritter, the singer-songwriter. We got to talking a little bit about Outsiders. Well, I can't help notice that in a lot of your work, there is an outsider from another world who crosses over. There's the Sandman, there's Bod and Silas, both in the Graveyard Book. There's Coraline and her fake parents. Why does that come up so much? Um, Because I have a very, very limited imagination. (laughs) Um, That's what everybody says about you. That's true. You know, you got one little theme, you just work it to death. (laughs) I I love books. I love stories that take people places. And I love stories that take people to places they think they know and have them see it with new eyes. One of the most fun things about writing Coraline um, for me was was just... I, I, I used to sit during boring lessons at school, particularly geography for some reason, and I would sit there during geography lessons and I'd think, what would happen... If I go home today, after school, and my parents have moved, and they forgot to tell me. (laughs) And then I'd think, what would happen if my parents had moved and forgot to tell me, and I go home, but another family has moved in, and they look just like my parents? (laughs) How will I know? (laughs) And it worried me. Neil Gaiman from 2011 on Wits with Josh Ritter. Now, Neil has a house in Wisconsin, not all that far from St. Paul. And sometimes I would get a message from Neil saying, oh, I'm coming through town. I'm dropping my daughter off at the airport or something. Uh, I figured I'd come to the show. Do you need me to do anything? And when Neil Gaiman asks if you want him to be in a sketch, the correct answer is, yes, Neil Gaiman, I do. And that's what happened here. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite was the guest, uh, the comedy guest. Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies was the musical guest. And uh, we had a story going around in the news right around that time. A lot of struggling European economies, Greece and Germany. There was a lot of economic uncertainty. And here's how we dealt with it. And now... Wits Newsmakers. As always, we're talking to some of the most compelling voices from the news to get a fresh perspective. The American economy continues to struggle, gradually improving, but not showing the strength many had hoped for. Here to talk about it is the American economy. (coughs) (coughs) Hi, John. Wow. Economy, you look kind of pale. I tried to go for a run. You know, build up strength, give you people what you want. Oh, well, thanks. I guess what happened? Got tired. (laughs) Had to lay down for a while. (laughs) Took a nap. Then I think I caught cholera. Still made a tenth of a mile, so hey, best sense my colleagues. Uh, Well, I'm pulling for you. We all want you to improve. Thanks. I'm not sure everyone does. Oh, now why do you say that? I just got a card from Mitt Romney. It says, get well soon, but not until November. (laughs) American economy. 
Hello, old chap. Oh, my word, you look great. Have you been working out? Excuse me, we're trying to do an interview here. Who are you? It's okay. It's my old friend, the European economy. I, I, I just need to lean on this microphone stand for a minute. I'm about to... Uh... To collapse. Yeah, I heard. Oh, my grease is all out of alignment. My Spain needs monitoring. I've got all of these parts of me kind of leaning on my Germany. I think I'm getting a bruised Germany. Oh, just being around you guys is making me feel worse, too. I think my unemployment rate is going up again. Oh, I can feel it. Oh, well, it's no wonder we share all sorts of economic streams. Wow, that's not an image I enjoy thinking about. Okay, so the American election will be decided by you, the American economy, but the American economy can be dragged down by the European economy. Maybe I'll get things turned around. Oh, good. Or I'll implode. Could go either way. Well, what will decide that? Handful of guys in Athens. Whoa, I'm teetering. Oh, that makes me anxious. Can we get some stretchers out here? Please, some stretchers. The American and European economies, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Mr. Neil Gaiman. For our final segment of this special podcast-only edition, we're going to go back to that show that Neil headlined for us with Josh Ritter back in 2011. And uh, you've often heard the Wits Game Show on our on our regular Wits programs. This was sort of the first time we ever tried anything like that. We had no idea if it would work, but we knew that Neil was game for it. That's why they call him Neil Game... No, never mind. No, we knew he'd be game for it, and we knew Josh Ritter was up for anything, and so we just had a little bit of fun. So often in a song, there's more to a character than you have room to discuss, and the reader, the listener, whoever is left to imagine the story behind the character they briefly met. We talked about this earlier. It's a moment of exquisite imagining that we will now wreck. (laughs) We're going to ask these two creative minds to give us the stories we never knew behind characters we've barely met, some friends of ours from popular song, Fill us in with the rest of the story, if you could. And, uh, Neil, we'll start with you. Fill us in on Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby, the one who, you know, hung around graveyards, um, is, is best known for wearing a face that she kept in a jar by the door. Sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the, for a long time, uh, the papers of, of Liverpool, where the Beatles came from, was filled with the... the you know, these headlines about somebody who was killing people, cutting off their faces, <laughs> keeping them in jars by the door. And they weren't ever able to figure out that the strange little old lady who hung around the churchyard wearing these weird, mushy faces, <laughs> often covered with jam or honey, um, <laughs> was actually the, you know, the, the woman they called the face cutter offer. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, I'm always impressed with the, uh, with the terms that the British come up with. Yeah, we had Jack <laughs> the Ripper, you know. Eleanor the face cutter the, offer. The face cutter offer. It was, it's like the Boston Strangler. She was the Liverpool face cutter offer. <laughs> well, as, as long as we're, we're talking about uh, maybe along the same lines, then uh, Josh Ritter, how about the man eater from Hall and Oates? Oh. Wow. I understand she only comes out at night. Well, y- you'd think so. Yeah. I- she also uh, cuts a lot, of, a lot of people's hair, like pop singers, like Holland Oates, and you can definitely tell okay. if you look at pictures. Um, I don't really know too much about, about the Maneater, you know, because it's usually dark. But I do know that that record, that song is on, I think it's on their first record, which is like called, Oh Dear God, Please Somebody Let Us Out of This Basement. There's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a Maneater down here. <laughs> what, what were some other Hollow Notes songs on that particular album? <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the, the beautiful song, Og, She's Got My Leg. Og, She's Got My Leg. Gotcha. All right. Who Needs Fingers? Right. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, God, Not the Furnace Again. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm kind of glad they branched out from that, actually. There was, yeah. I believe uh, Morrissey helped them out on it. Um, uh, His album Murder is Murder. <laughs> um, Neil, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stay with an, another uh, British artist here, uh, Rod Stewart. Uh, Maggie May. Oh, yeah, that was, that was unfortunate. Unfortunate. Um, well, you know, the, the, our narrator in Maggie May, um, you know, the one who's saying, wake up, Maggie, you know, yeah. I, it's late September, I really have to be getting back to school. He was 11. Oh. And, um, you know, truthfully, it, it ended in tears. It was... Well, you know, I, I, I have the lyrics here, and I, and I wondered, you know, if you could fill us in, because some of this gets a little game and ask, you stole my heart, I couldn't leave you if I tried, you stole my soul, and that's a pain I can do without. Is, is know, there witchcraft involved here? Well, there is. Anybody who, who knows anything at all about the career of Rod Stewart can see there is witchcraft involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the amazing thing about Rod Stewart is after his heart was stolen and his soul was stolen when he was 11 by, by Maggie May, um, his hair has not aged a day. Okay. He's getting strange and wrinkly, but the hair right. is still the hair of a 20-year-old. And, you know, there, there are people who say that at night it creeps off <laughs> to suck the blood of people who've been shot in the head by Irishmen practicing archery in pubs. Um, I see, I always thought that was just a story to tell the children. Um, and, uh, and finally, Josh, uh, back to you. Um, how about uh, Jack and Diane? Jack and Diane is a kind of a classic American love story uh, that started way beyond, uh, before, before we meet them, uh, out behind the Tasty Freeze. So uh, there's... Uh, Jack and, and Diane, who actually uh, met at Camp Mellencamp, 
<laughs> you were a counselor there one time, weren't you, John? I was. It was, it was a good time. Yeah, those, you know, a lot of paper and fire. And um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, they, they, they grew up in, in making lanyards and carving canoes and doing all that sorts of things. He, he initially, he went on to become a doctor and uh, she uh, became a bartender on the show Cheers. So, okay. So. With Kelsey Grammer. Wow. I... Well, gentlemen, thank you for allowing us to finally listen to songs the right way. Neil Gaiman and Josh Ritter, everyone. Well, that's it for this special podcast-only edition of Wits. Our senior producers are Hans Buto and Larissa Anderson. Our technical director is Corey Schreppel. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. I'm John Moe. Bye now.